Here's the story of a man named Robert Taylor, who was busy with four boys of his own, Nathan Olson, Peter Walker, Michael Watanabe, and Stephen Bauer. All of them had hair of gold, like Bill Nye the Science Guy, the youngest one in curls. And this one goes out today. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Pod on on the air. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod pod podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, 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 The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Welcome, welcome, welcome to issue 426 <laughs> of the Major Spoilers Podcast. 426. It is that time of year. The San Diego Comic-Con is going on in full swing. It's crazy time in uh, Crazy Town, the Gaslamp District. Uh, wonderful time if you're there. If you're not, that's okay. We've still got a show for you anyway, and we hope that uh, our discussions can make you think a little deeper than maybe some of the discussions that are going on in San Diego this weekend. Yes, because we are deeper and awesomer. I guess. Um, and others. You know, uh, did you did you go see Spider Man, uh, the Amazing Spider Man, there, uh, Matthew, uh, when it came out a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago? Did it you came out. Yeah. Did you have a chance to go see it? No, no, not yet. Have, have do you have any interest in going to see it? Eh, not really. I mean, here's the thing about Spider Man's origin. Uh huh. When I was 12 years old, I was reading Marvel comics, and they retold Spider-Man's origin. And then you tried to in, get bit by a spider, and it didn't work out. Yeah, it was like Spider-Man number 200. You swelled up. And, such. and I was just like, eh, okay, that's kind of a cool story. And I, I think I've read Amazing Fantasy probably six, 700 times, Uh huh. you know, because I have my personal copy. I'm not really necessarily interested. I want to see some Emma Stone. I may catch it either in the Dollar Theater or if the kid is really into it. But no, I don't really have a great emphasis to go see Peter Parker be English. Well, he's not really English. I mean, he doesn't have. I mean, no, he's English. He does a very good. Uh, does a very good job. I thought. Yeah. Uh, well, and I'm not Peter saying Parker. he doesn't. Here's um, my thing. Peter Parker comes from Queens. Sure, he does. And if you've ever met anybody who comes from Queens, Peter Parker should sound like Archie Bunker to me, because that's kind of the dialect that you run into. In certain parts of Queens, you know, you get to, you know, into that uh, kind of that Archie Bunker. I wanted to hear Peter Parker talking like that. I well, never do it. And and that's all fine and good. But do you remember where Superman's supposed to come from? At least adoptively. Yeah. Like, Superman do you ever hear Clark Spanish. Kent with a country accent? No. Yeah, I do all the time. He talks like here, man. Well, that's, you know, if you go back and read some iconic Superman moments and you read them with like a really earnest mild country <laughs> accent it sounds good yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> carry on ma'am just doing yeah, my yeah. job yeah <sighs> but i just don't see as much of a twang up up and away yeah uh, well so a lot of people a lot of people when they're talking about uh the amazing spider-man or as i've kind of felt about it the average spider-man um good uh, movie but nothing spectacular yeah. um the <laughs> the thing is we're a lot of people are complaining because we are seeing Yet another retelling of the origin story. Retelling of the origin story. No, we don't need to see another retelling of an origin story. But, you know, in the, it, this last week I read um, Batman Earth One mm -hmm. from uh, Jeff Johns from DC Comics. And I had the realization that 
I don't mind you telling rebooted origin stories. And I guess it's because I really got a kick out of the Elseworlds series um, when DC was publishing that. The idea behind the Elseworlds series, if you're not familiar with it, listeners, is DC would take uh, an iconic uh, iconic characters from the DC universe, usually Superman or Batman, and usually Batman, and mm-hmm. playing what if with it. What if, what if uh, the Green Lantern ring came to uh, Batman instead of Hal Jordan? What if uh, the Waynes had found Kal El and he had grown up? What if? Batman took place in, uh, as we've reviewed on the show in the past, Holy Terror. What if he grew up in Puritan England or the, you know, the uh, English continued to rule over the U.S., uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what if uh, Superman hooked up with uh, uh, Tesla? Uh, You know, all these great, wonderful stories. And it is the same story again and again and again, but told in a different setting, told in a different time period, told in a different twist. Um, the nail is, is the exact same way. Another, the nail, another, the nail is told the exact same way. (laughs) Um, and the interesting thing about that is it has no bearing. Those stories for the most part, uh, except for the golden age, which was an Elseworld tale had no bearing on the main continuity. Mm -hmm. Um, and to an extent, the, I don't want to say the first Spider-Man movie, but the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie isn't set in the Marvel universe that we know of. And this current Amazing Spider-Man is not set in the Marvel universe that we know of. The Avengers are not set in the Marvel universe that people read in the comics, nor is Iron Man or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm totally okay with the constant rebooting of the characters, giving us a different take on that. Are but, you guys? Do you guys feel the same way, or is it just like, no, never tell another retoiling origin story well, of Squirrel Girl again? Well, you here's did just play a clip that. of me, right? Right. That's true. You did. That's exactly <laughs> so what I hear. sound like. Here's the problem that I have with superhero movies. Superhero movies are in a Tim Burton rut. In that, it seems like there's always it's always planned to be a trilogy. Right. It's always First episode, first, you know, first movie origin, second movie, uh, dark, freakish undermining of the origin, and maybe everything you know is wrong. And there's also two villains. Third movie, we wrap it all up with a big bow so they can revamp it. Right. I don't necessarily think that you have to have an origin story just because it's a superhero story. I think that there are tons of movies that don't right up front explain, and this is how, you know, this is how the oh, kid yeah. from I mean, Titanic it was, it was ended the, up living in an Uncle Scrooge it, it, story. It was the third movie before you found out that Indiana was the dog's name, right? You know, and, um, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm not specifically saying movies because I can talk about why they're uh, rebooting and all that stuff. But I'm just saying, as a comic book reader, Matthew, what yeah. if every six months there was a standalone issue that told a different origin story of Iron Man? I'd be for once that. a year. There was a... I'd be fine with that because that's kind of the way comics used to be back in the Silver Age. Mort Weisinger would redo Superman stories every two or three years because he felt that in that time frame, the entire readership had overturned. Right. And what it would really come down to is they'd tell the story again, but it'd be slightly different. Yes. So you'd get, you know, you'd get a version of the story by Kurt Swan and, and it would be completely different than the version you saw two years later drawn by Kurt Schaffenberger or the version three years before drawn by Wayne Boring. 
it's, you know, kind of in the execution. Mm -hmm. I have always believed that we should be able to go into a comic shop and not just buy this is Bruce Wayne in the current DC universe right. doing what he does. Right. We should be able to buy this is old Bruce Wayne as the Dark Knight. And this is, you know, square jawed Bruce Wayne as voiced by Oswald from the Drew Carey well, and, show. And, that's and this why... is smiling two fisted daytime Avenger who the police love Batman from 1956. Well, personally, that's why I love the idea of the multiverse, because you can have you can't have your Silver Age Batman story still going on over there for people that want the wild and wacky. And you can have your medieval uh, Superman uh, going on in uh, whatever that Camelot story was. I think it was uh, called Camelot, wasn't it? Or what J- was? I think it was JLA uh, Round Table or something. <laughs> oh, maybe that's what it was. Um, and so I, and, and you know, doing these reboots is not a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, and you're just basically, no, don't do it. Uh, no, I'm not saying no, don't do it. I'm saying uh, I think a big part of the reason why you and... Matthew, and to a certain degree, I, I'm I'm fine with it, and we're fine with it, is because we're in it. Mm. Because it's kind of like saying, you know, it doesn't bother me that they move the switch between HD and SD on my uh, Canon to, uh, you know, move it up a couple inches, because right. that actually makes it easier for me to move it around or whatever. Like, right. a consumer's not mm. going to understand right. what's going on. And that's the problem is consumers get confused when you have too many origins. Right. I went to see uh, Peter Parker's uh, convoluted web of Spider-Man this this past weekend with some friends. And on the way there, a friend of mine, who's not a comic book person, she explained to me what I was about to see. And she said... She'd already seen it or she was just saying... A a friend of hers told her what to expect. So she said, a friend of mine told me that this is supposed to happen before the other ones and also like in between the second and the third one and i was like what yeah what no of course not that's not at all what happens right this is a brand new universe a brand new take right on spider-man in the movies and i explained that to her and she was like well why'd they do that okay so here's why they did that right matthew you just said not five minutes ago that they would in the silver age they were always rebooting the because the audience was turning turning over i have harped on this ever probably since the very first podcast who has the biggest amount of disposable income chickens yes chickens have the largest amount of disposable income and because everyone loves kfc so much Mm -hmm. those chickens Mm -hmm. get turned over all the time so a chick that's born today in six months is getting its head bashed against the wall so we can have tasty chicken wings right and so that means there's a whole new group of chickens that need to come about and so we can eat them okay, later. No, I gotta hand it to your Schleicher. You uh, you took a, you took a curveball and you ran with it. So but, uh, you might was, have to go back and yes. explain this so, point again. So teenagers right. have the largest amount of disposable income. And when I say teenagers, nowadays that that's shifted down to the to the like preteens. 10, I mean, yeah. we're talking about eleven to eighteen year olds. Uh, are the ones with the largest amount of disposable income. So they're the ones that can constantly go to the movies and see things and see whatevers. Knowing that, and again, we are a special group of people. Everybody's a special group of people. Everyone's a unique individual snowflake, blah, 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 blah. But our group of people... Um, we'll move from Spider-Man to Spider-Man and go, oh, Spider-Man, oh, Spider-Man, what have they done to Spider-Man? He can't dance Spider-Man. Oh, they're rebooting Spider-Man. Why are they doing... And we'll go through that cycle because we are, as you said a moment ago, Rodrigo, we are in it. But the average moviegoer, the average disposable income person, if they went and saw the first Tobey Maguire Mm Spider-Man, 
and they went through that whole franchise over 10 years, the 11-year-old is now what? 21 uh, by the time that's over. 21. They are in college. They are, depending on when, when they discovered girls or boys, they're into other things besides a Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. But the 11-year-old today, where were they 10 years ago? Uh, they were at uh, least one, at least one year old, right? So they, and again, depending on how their parents brought them up or if they saw it on HBO or one of those other things, mm-hmm. probably don't have a Spider-Man for their generation. And I put that in air quotes. So when we get up to year 10 or 12 or whatever it's been since the first Spider-Man movie, Sony's sitting there going, how can we make more money? How can we keep this property? I know. Let's reboot this for a new generation of moviegoers. Let's reboot this for the new 11 to 15-year-olds that have the money. That's what they're doing. And so there is that sense of, this is my generation's Spider-Man. Or as we look at sports franchises, or if we look at anything, uh, um, Pokemon. Kids right. playing Pokemon today, there might be some old Pokemon player. Back in my day, that's how the Pokemon system worked, and I loved it this way. Or the Advanced phasing. Dungeons and Dragons, or whatever, right? And phasing in the Pokemon. Every or as uh, in every generation, a new Slayer must be born. Right. Right. That's what's happening with the movie franchises. So they they have to reboot. It's you know, four years from now, three years from now, when the next Batman movie comes out, it's going to be a reboot. It's not going to be a continuation. And I'll bet dollars to donuts because I like donuts uh, that um, that there's another origin story for Batman. Is it going to have the same thing? Is yeah. it going to have the parents are dead, did this training, Alfred's the butler, Dark Knight, Bat flies in, poof. Yeah, yeah it's going to be in there. Right. But maybe right. this time it's not the Joker that kills the parents. Maybe it's not uh, Ducard that has some kind of influence in bringing the Waynes down. Maybe it's the, the Talon. Yeah. Maybe it is, you know, whatever. But it's going to be that right. way because, unfortunately, we are cyclical and yeah. every generation has to have something that they can claim as their own. And I think that when it comes to movies, there's another visual aspect that we don't have the problem with in comics, and that is Peter Parker looks like Peter Parker. Right. And even though P- Steve Ditko's Peter Parker doesn't look like John Romita's Peter Parker, doesn't look like, you know, Ross Andrew's Peter Parker, God forbid, doesn't look like Todd McFarlane's, <laughs> it's still Peter Parker. Right. But when Andrew Garfield starts this, there's a visual expectation that we're looking at a new person. Mm-hmm. That's not Toby Maguire. Right. So we, you know, I, I think that there's a tendency to want to retell that origin yeah. or to start out at the beginning so that you can go, this is clearly not Toby Maguire. Mm-hmm. And that's not Mary Jane. That's Gwen Stacy, even though Gwen Stacy in the movies is more Mary Jane and vice versa. Right. Just like in the Batman films, Jim Carrey's Riddler is the Joker, and Jack Nicholson's Joker is the Riddler mm-hmm. if you read the comic books. Mm-hmm. It's something where, you know, you've they've taken bits and pieces of it, but when that visual change happens, when, you know, it's no longer Val Kilmer, it's now, you know, what's-his-face with the head? Promotions 11. They, I mean, they do toy with that, and they do try and give us something to where there's an explanation of why he went from being Chris Knight to being Danny Ocean. Right. And I think the tendency to do that origin is there. You know, actually, you you bring that up, and uh, 
George reviewed mm-hmm. uh, Spider-Man for the website. Right. And he had a great point. Is like, man, those guys that were doing James Bond would have killed themselves if every time they had a new Bond, yeah. they had to restart the franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact of the matter is they don't. In fact, James Bond continues to not do that. Mm-hmm. They're like, we are going to start over from the beginning, sort of, because we're yeah. still going to have the same M. Right, and the, the same, same Q, and, right, and so right, on. Exactly right. Uh, yeah, so. and they and they rarely acknowledge that the changes occurred, except when George Lazenby did it with um, on His Majesty's Secret Service. After he mm-hmm. kills the people on the beach, he does a look at the camera because all along we've had Sean Connery, and he goes, "Well, this never happened to the other guy." Mm-hmm. And then, right. and we go into the opening credits. Right. And and that's what I've kind of always said about uh, some of these: is look, James Bond, you're not rebooting; you're just replacing the person mm-hmm. that's playing Bond, um, and you right. don't have to reboot. Um, but Bond is kind of the exception that proves. Yeah, them. it is kind of the exception in that you can just put a face in, and, that, in that. And and in James that. Bond is not for little kids. No, I he's mean, certainly it's, it's not. not a kids movie. And so with James Bond, you expect that audience yeah, attention. And, and people aren't going to get into James Bond unless you're my brother when you're six years old. Right, my brother right. liked his James Bond. Well, I got into James Bond pretty early, and you know how I got into it. It was because my dad loved James Bond, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, obviously his dad, I don't know, because he died when my dad was young. But uh, and of course, James Bond hadn't really come out as a character until, right. you know, after the war. Uh, but, you know, when we look at when we look at um, uh, how these things get introduced to us, I've introduced my kids to comics and pop culture. Mm-hmm. So my son already knows how Spider-Man Right. In a warp sits away, got his powers and who Spider-Man is. Right. And he so, knows about Thor and Captain America and yet continues to ignore Superman, Batman. I know, that little bastard. <laughs> that little bastard. Um, but, you know, he's going to grow up at some point and go, wait a minute, this is not the Avengers that I used to watch Saturday morning. And he's going to have to cope with that. Or he may embrace it. But then, hopefully, his kids, he will pass on his love for Marvel adventures to them that's not how it always is with the traditional moviegoer that's why i said in our group mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we go through this stuff Here's a sports a... franchise is another good example mm-hmm. where your grandfather was a pittsburgh steelers fan your father was a pittsburgh steelers fan you are a pittsburgh steelers fan and by god your son will be a pittsburgh steelers fan D- despite how bad the team might yes, be at the time it exactly. is, it, uh, that actually is surprisingly similar it is how we much. stick to comics that might just be completely awful right just because we always have right um you know it's it, this is uh, the the meta story here is is ancient. Mm-hmm. I mean, people say you know I, I've I've uh, spilled plenty of uh, bile here on the show <laughs> about people taking Greek mythology and doing whatever the crap right. they want to it. Right. But the fact of the matter is, is that there are stories considered canonical to to the to the Greek the the, the Greek mythos. Mm-hmm that are contradictory right there are stories yeah. by multiple of the same you know there are stories about heracles where he's doing one thing and stories where he's doing something else and you know the experts are like well this was written you know probably up to like a hundred years before this other story mm-hmm. uh so here are the differences here's probably what was going on at the time here's the things that matter to people and this is a story that most people know this is a a, a different story this right. is a story about a, a different guy, and they've since attributed it to Odysseus or whatever, right? right? So, you know, it, it's it's funny because Matthew says, well, that Mary Jane is a Gwen Stacy, and that Gwen Stacy is a Mary Jane. 
Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's them saying, well, we want Gwen Stacy. It's like, well, this is how Gwen Stacy is. It's like, you know, we like the, the, the little diadem and the go-go yeah. boots. So that's that's Gwen Stacy to yeah, us. Yeah, that's yeah. what we're doing. Well, and then this is the other thing, too, is that, yes, we should be cre- teaching more Greek mythology in school. Mm-hmm. Nobody teaches Greek mythology anymore, right? We're too busy studying for the exam, it, for the, for the uh, you know, the but there's the test. There's, and too much fratricide and sleeping with your parents and well, killing that too. people and stabbing so, the eyes. Eating and, people and then turning into awesome werewolves. So yeah. the for, a lot awesome. of, for a lot of people, and again, I know we've said this before, who cares, right? Mm-hmm. For a, a large number of uh, moviegoers, who cares if this is a different Spider-Man and a new origin story? I don't really care. For some people, they do care. And I understand that, I understand that passion uh, and I understand that, that perspective. Um I guess for me, I'm not too too worried about a, a reboot. Uh, I'm not really, you know, give me a different what if, what if, or else worlds or whatever story, you know, six times a year, four times a year, whatever it may be, and I and I'm cool with that. And I guess because I've come to accept that this is the way this particular industry works. I think there is a sweet spot for it. There probably I think is. At times, it is too soon for me. This Spider-Man was too soon. So, f- feels when, maybe when a little I, you bit know, when. When I went in, it's ten years, right? Mm-hmm. So since the first Spider-Man, since now, the, very, since since the, the last right. Spider-Man, we're only looking at what four years or something right. like that. And I think you know, again, we kind of compare the the Spider-Mans and the Batmans. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, ninety-seven to two thousand five. So that was what eight, ninety-seven nine, nine years. Yeah, nine years like between. Mm-hmm. So between the last Batman. To, to follow the Keaton line and the newest Batman, it was a similar amount of time yeah, yeah, as yeah. the first and the first yeah. for Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, somewhere in between is that perfect amount of time for your reboot. To me, you know, I went in saying, okay, this is going to be a brand new take and stuff. But I was sitting there and I was thinking, I remember that scene yeah, yeah. from the last movie. Yeah. I remember this exact same scene, this exact same scene. And, you know, part of the problem is you have to because it's the same character, and there are yeah. certain beats that you have to have in there. Yeah. So, uh, Spider-Man Three, just to put it in perspective, came out in two thousand seven. So it's been five years since the last Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. Two thousand two, the first Spider-Man movie came out. Two thousand four, Spider-Man Two. Um, you're right. There were times where it did feel very much so that way, and unfortunately, we've gotten again the problem with the reboot from the broader business perspective is that. Um, we are just rehashing what's been done before. And 30 years ago, Back to the Future. Oh God, has it been 30 years? Mm. Yes. God yes, it dang, has. it's been 30 years. Or you know, the first years. Back to the Future. years. Jesus. Back to the Future came out, and you didn't see people right away going, oh, we need to reboot this franchise. We need to reboot this franchise. And again, even though I think they're, they're working on it with maybe Bieber as the Michael J. Fox character. Right. Um, you don't see them wanting to touch on that. And same way with Karate Kid. We let the Karate Kid franchise kill itself. We didn't have to reboot it, although we did have that time period with uh, What's-Her-Face in it. Uh, that was kind Hillary of a reboot. Swank. Hillary Swank. Ha, 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 ha. Um, but, um, uh, you know, I, I guess maybe during a certain time period, Hollywood was seemed more original. You know, we'll we'll do some different ideas. We'll explore different things, and there, we don't it's, have to it's a pendulum. rehash. Is, is you know, we are looking for the 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 next thing. 
it's you know a studio says we are going to do the next thing and then the other studio says we are also going to do the next thing of course the next thing is usually like we're going to bring back westerns yeah, you yeah. know that that sort yeah. of cyclical thinking anyway but right now the right now the studios are scared they mm-hmm. want that um they want that comfort. they want that built-in yeah. audience um but you know, I did postulate this theory earlier. I think that we are at the precipice oh, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of of that that pendulum swinging, swinging back the back other way yeah. because of the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, the, eventually the studios are going to say, you know what? I hate it when nerds tell us not to do things. Let's just do something original. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. but then the nerds have been screaming, "Do something original!" for the longest time. But then, when you do something original, the nerds say, "We don't know this. We <laughs> yeah, don't want to exactly. watch it." And and for that matter, when you say we're going to reboot or we're going to do a Transformers things, everybody goes, "This is awesome!" Yeah, right yeah, beforehand, yeah. before yeah. they start getting uh, indignant about changes. Yeah, about Hasbro's battleship. And mm-hmm. I think I, I think that more than just looking at the superheroes, I think that. The movie industry as a whole, and Stephen and I have this argument rather rather animatedly on and off the show repeatedly, has gotten into a cycle where they're redoing things or putting familiar names on things because it's all about the response of the 50 people in that focus group. Right, right. And it's all about how much hype you can put into it and how you can get that first big pop. You know, mm-hmm. three weeks down the line, these movies usually disappear off the end of the pier and people say they were they – were, a failure or they were a success or Batman's coming out. And so three yeah. weeks from now, Spider-Man won't even be a exactly Batman will come out and people will be like, wasn't there a Spider-Man movie? And everybody will say, yeah, it's on epics. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think that we're getting to a point where, well, first of all, the media has saturated. Oh, sure. Every single aspect of our lives. And when you know all the stories, TV tropes will ruin your life. Well, the funny because th- Oh, yeah. You go in and you're like, okay, they're going to show me a Spider-Man movie. I know what a Spider-Man movie is about. It's about thwip, thwip, arg, I can't have Mary Jane, and then throw a Jesus metaphor in there because they like to freak people out. Superman, by the way, is not Jesus. Superman is Moses. Get it Of course right. he is. But um, more importantly, I think that the the movie industry as a whole reboots because the expectation is that we, the viewing public, have a short memory. Oh, sure we do. We we live on those 30-second sound bites. We mm-hmm. live on, give it to us now, give it to us now, and then now what else have you got right. kind of mentality. So, yeah, there could very well be part of that uh, short attention span aspect uh, be thrown into, well, we have to do this every 10 years. Um, or every five years. Or every five years or whatever it may be. Yeah, you may be right. Um, all I know is it's it's funny because even – exposed to as much comic book uh pop culture stuff that my son is it's still very funny to listen to him explain Mm -hmm. the marvel universe because (laughs) everything that he's absorbed about the watcher comes from the superhero squad right and so when you see that funny bit that we recorded uh for major spoilers he's just reiterating exactly what he remembers from superhero squad and when you when you hear somebody come out and say it then you're just like Rodrigo, as his friend was explaining him right. what this Spider-Man movie was going to be about. It's like what? Right, exactly. And then it becomes over the you know kind of overly over the top kind of silliness. And so, you know, it's I I don't really see a reboot as a problem unless you're looking at it from the standpoint of where's the originality. But if every six right. months DC you wanted to bring an Elseworlds book out, don't put it as a hard book bound book because I hate that. In in that small issue, give me back the prestige format. 
my kid right now is uh, I we actually she just went on vacation at grandma's house and I had to load on her iPad several episodes of uh, Go Kaiger, mm-hmm. the last Japanese season of uh, the Super Sentai. And we've been talking about this because she she just heard, you know, recently on, on major spoilers. We talked about the 20th anniversary of Power Rangers next season being an adaptation of the season before the season that she's watching now. And this is all complicated and obnoxious. And she's like, I can't wait for two years from now. And I'm like, why? She's like, because then Go Kaiger is going to be in America. And I want to see how Guy sounds when he speaks English. And I'm trying, I, I was explaining to her that they don't use the same actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't necessarily, you know, translate it over. And she's like, is that why I hate Power Rangers Samurai? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, they're not Japanese. <laughs> they're all from California. And I'm like, well, yeah, but she's, she's, you know, she's understanding when daddy talks about the adaptations and how the Chinese, the Japanese shows come to America and turn into the American shows. But she still hasn't quite wrapped well, her but, idea but adaptations, the fact that it's different things. But see, that's the thing. Adaptations in a, of themselves, ad, adapt, adapting something for a movie. And we were talking in uh, the previous issue about Philip K. Dick. You're mm-hmm. not adapting the book. You're not adapting the comic book. You're not adapting the song or whatever it may be, the, right. the television commercial starring Mean Joan Green. You're not adapting that into a movie to appeal, to not just appeal to the hardcore fans of that product. You're trying to make it a mass appeal. Right. Right. And so in that mass appeal, you have to make changes. You have to do some things differently. And yes, it, you know, the, the adapt, the, uh, you know, the, the fact that Andrew Garfield doesn't speak with a, with a queen's uh, accent may bother Matthew, but for 90% of the rest of the world, it doesn't really matter. No, it, bothers 90 percent of the rest of the world they just don't <laughs> they don't know, know it yet it. okay they don't, they don't know it and they will know it eventually and it'll be a subtle moment where you'll be listening and it, it buffy the vampire slayer is the perfect example they'll be talking and talking and talking and spike is wonderful and spike is like hello i'm spike hello pet this is how i talk and then he'll be in a scene with anthony stewart head who has an actual british accent and i'll just go ah Damn it. They ruined it for me because they put him with an actual British person. And you, if you watch the first three seasons of, the, of that show, you'll actually hear James Marster's accent moving. As he does more scenes with Anthony Stewart Head, his accent becomes more like Anthony Stewart Head's. Yeah. People don't know that these things bother them, but they do. They are out there, and people are like, oh, see, people are listening to this show right now. Someone on the subway just sat up and went, oh, my God, that's why I hate Buffy season six. <laughs> um, okay, so enough about the reboot. I want to talk about cra- crossover madness. <laughs> everybody is crossing over with everybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like Vampirilla is probably the and Red Sonja are the two biggest offenders. Uh, because they seem to have crossed over with every property. Right. I'm pretty sure Vampirilla and Tomb Raider, Vampirilla and Witchblade, Vampirilla uh, and uh, uh, Red Sonja, Red Sonja and Spider-Man. Right. Uh, it just goes on and on Red and on. Red Sonja, Witchblade Red- and Fathom. Yes. Red Sonja, Fathom, Witchblade, Merrill Lynch, Pierce Sacco and Vanzetti. Is it? Is the crossover? Is it a? 
Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? I'm just curious because He-Man crossing over with the DC Universe or mm-hmm. um, uh, most recently a lot of people are upset over this announcement that Archie is crossing over with Glee, Archie crossing over with Kiss, Archie crossing yeah. over with The Punisher. Mm-hmm. Archie um, crossing over with Menage a Trois. Archie crossing over with, that you know, wish. switching their, switching genders. Well, I mean, is there a big, I mean, is it, is it a big deal? Uh, is the crossover a good thing, a bad thing? Is it just overused, abused? Is it? I mean, it's, I mean, the idea behind the crossover is that you're trying to attract Glee fans into reading Archie. Right. Right. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. Although I think that the <laughs> fact that a comic book is read and not heard I might might right. make a big difference. Well, if you haven't heard, listened, or read yet, I think that you have to remember the, the – and again, this is probably my fifth TV Tropes reference this show. Tropes are not bad. The crossover is a storytelling device. The crossover is not in itself good or bad because – What's, you know, what's Crisis on Infinite Earths? One of my favorite stories, one of the best stories of the 80s, in my opinion. It's a freaking crossover. Well, it is a giant yeah. universal crossover. Yeah, in with itself. But I'm, I'm just talking about properties crossing over with other properties well, that aren't in the same but if you look same at realm. Say, because, I mean, you could Archie say the Avengers, Punisher. the Avengers is nothing but a giant crossover with every other Marvel book. But let's look at Avengers JLA. Yeah, now that's a crossover. Avengers that's JLA, what I would say okay. is a crossover. And it's a really good book. It's well done. It's well created. It's all about the history, and it celebrates the history in that final battle where they're traveling through time, and they're having, you know, Captain America is sitting in a ship and and trying to coordinate everybody because people keep changing. And then they go forward in time, and somebody's dead, or somebody is gone. Somebody's been replaced mm-hmm. in a time stream. Mm-hmm. Going through the history of the Avengers and the Justice League, and then there's a point where, oh, Captain America's dead for a few and it's because that's what happened, celebrating, you know, the 40-year the history of the characters in our world, but also the history of the characters in universe. That's a really good crossover, whereas Archie versus Punisher is great fun. I wouldn't call it a great story. Yeah, and Death Clock the Goon came out a couple, three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it took the characters from Metalocalypse and hooked them up with the Goon, and it was awesome. It was sublime. I love that book. But again, it's something where it's kind of like you say, okay, is a superhero a good thing or a bad thing? Is a police procedural a good thing or a bad thing? Is an unrequited love story a good thing or a bad thing? Romeo and Juliet's good. Well, have they gone? Have we oversaturated the crossover? No. Rodrigo, um, I don't. I don't think it matters whether there are too many crossovers because presumably, anytime you hook up two properties together, it'll be a different result. Mm-hmm. Um, my problem with crossovers would be the same problem as if there had only been a couple crossovers ever, which is that I need actively need consistency, <laughs> right? In the works that I'm reading. Right. And I don't care if the consistency is everybody's made of rubber and no one ever dies. You know, the Looney Tunes are incredibly consistent in that sense. (laughs) Right. Um, Right. And I don't care if the consistency is everybody is, you know, a bullet in the shoulder away from an infection and then dying. Mm -hmm. That's fine, too. 
My problem is when you try to reconcile two properties that shouldn't exist together. And I can see it in your uh, Marvel versus DC style stuff, Mm -hmm. because in the end... The, the the things aren't all that different and I'm pretty sure that there was some explicit like dimensional transference yeah. in there. Right, right. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. these are two different universes which can operate with two different rules. Right. But when you have when you have Scooby Doo showing up with Batman, it's like why do you need Mystery Inc. Mm-hmm. if you have Batman? <laughs> right, right. You do right, not need, right. and, and, and you know it sounds ridiculous to be upset about this, but this is <laughs> this is the stuff that I hate about crossovers. Yeah, is it, it undermines the internal consistency of of, the of both works of right, both yeah. worlds. Like, right, you know, uh, right. there should be like this moment in which uh, Doctor McCoy looks at Doctor McCoy and says, "So." In your world, you were hated to the point that you decided to do a completely horrendous procedure to yourself. I am so sorry for you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now step over here where we will automatically cure you because this is freaking Star Trek and we can do that. Right, right, right. Exactly. Right. Right. And it's there's um and this is this is gonna be one of my best references ever. <laughs> In Barry Williams autobiography Growing Up Brady. There, there is a discussion <laughs> of a letter that Robert Reed wrote to Sherwood Schwartz about how he was unhappy in the last season of the Brady Bunch. And he made the, the metaphor that you, you have to understand the reality, even if it's a stupid comedy, you have to understand the reality of it where you couldn't take the Batman series from 1966 and cross it over with MASH. You can't have Hawkeye and BJ in the operating room and have Adam West crash in fighting the Joker. Even if you can explain it, even if you say, well, obviously it's uh, this man has shell shock and he found a Batman costume and he's going through, you know, uh, terrible problems. We need to call Sidney Friedman. You've undermined Batman. Mm -hmm. You've destroyed your Batman's reality by trying to make him fit in your mash story. And I think that the crossovers, when done well for me, always take place in that Superman versus the Amazing Spider-Man territory. If you read that book, there's a couple of moments where Peter Parker is flying or thwipping around Metropolis, and Superman shows up, and Spider-Man has a quick word balloon that says something to the effect of, huh, I've heard about this Superman guy, but we've never crossed paths. And that's all. That's all they need to do. Superman is in Metropolis. Spider-Man is in New York. They don't turn in the same circles. And then they put that story together in that it can't fit in the Marvel Universe. It can't fit in the DC Universe. And the very nature of the story is such that trying to fit it in either universe breaks it. So Mm -hmm. put it where it goes. Put it on Earth, Superman versus Spider-Man. Or, you know, don't even worry about where it happens. Just read and enjoy that crossover. Now, if it were, say, Red Sonja crossing over with Space 1999, I'd have a problem. But let's say you were going to do a Red Sonja crossover with Star Wars Episode One. You put Red Sonja in a room full of Jedi, and you can make the story almost work. Is it a bad idea? Probably. Uh, you know, 
I guess it depends on how the company is treating it. Mm-hmm. If they're treating mm-hmm. it as a promotional gimmick, which, you know, gimmick is not always a bad word. Right. Um, you know, the Archie meets Kiss, uh, Archie meets Glee. Um, those are promotional gimmicks. There will be, I'm going to bet, zero impact mm-hmm. in the rest of the Archie stories going forward that mm-hmm. a bunch of high school kids came and sang uh, Sugar Sugar <laughs> with the Pussycats. Right. But here's the thing, though. Archie has been a junior in high school right. since 1941. Right. That is an incredibly elastic reality. Right. And it's it's a reality that's so elastic that Archie well, has in even... continuity met superheroes. Yeah. Archie has in continuity, you know, dealt with Kiss and dealt with things that don't but it has it, it has zero impact. It's not like right. 50 issues from now, Archie and Jughead are going to be, hey, man, remember when we hung with Kiss and we fought the undead army? Oh, yeah, right. that's great. Or, Let's go or, get a hamburger. Yeah, or they will, but it's not going to change the fact right. that someday Archie must choose one of us, Betty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so, you know, I look is at... Is that necessarily the, the sign of a good story, though? I mean, is that... That almost slavish continuity of Kiss was here, what does it mean for the overarching... Archie universe is that necessarily what going to make that crossover? Well, it doesn't have matter? to be with it doesn't have to be with Archie. I mean, we can look at which blade or how about Spider Man? Was it Spider Man Red Sonia? And then yeah. was yeah. there a third character in that, or was it just Spider Man Red Sonia? Mary Jane was possessed by the Sam. Of Red Oh, okay. Sonya. So does it matter if Thulsa uh, Doom stole the Fruit Loops and it was up to Spider Man and Red Sonia to get them back? Mm-hmm. Is that is that anything that has a big impact in Spider Island or? end of the earths or in the but, queen sonia story no it doesn't it is this little moment of frivolity mm-hmm. that you might be able to get some spider-man fans on board your dynamite title or you might get some dynamite fans in on your marvel title it, and maybe eat but, some fruit loops in the in the process no. eh. but you bring up a point there in three years will spider island or well, the ends of the earth. Who matter. knows? No, because of no, what we just talked won't. about with the rebooting. 27 years ago, Spider-Man fought his car and the Spider-Mobile nearly killed him because the terrible tinkerer was controlling it. Good, fun Spider-Man story. Not necessarily one that they're you know going to reference all the time. Although occasionally they do mention the Spider-Mobile and how it ended up in the East River. They talk about these moments, and I think what it, what it kind of breaks down to is what makes the story good for what you want to enjoy. For me, Archie versus Kiss, for instance, was fun because it had moments where Betty Cooper was very clearly enamored of Gene Simmons, and it was a you know, clean, squeaky clean, wholesome Gene Simmons, but it's still the demon with the four, eight, 14-inch tongue, and you're yeah. like, where is that going to go? Can they say the things that I necessarily so, think and kind of think? Rodrigo, do you want to see more crossovers or less crossovers, or does it matter? I it it doesn't matter to me because I usually don't read them <laughs> because they uh, almost on principle piss me off. Okay, <laughs> Matthew, what about you? I want to see the crossover used the way it should be. It should be a tool to an entertaining story, even if that story is not entertaining to me. The cross. The crossover is a tool that a good writer can use. Vampirella meeting Fluffy the Vampire Layers. Killer, whatever. Mm. 
Sorry, it was a porno movie. But Vampirella meeting Fluffy is cute. Vampirella in continuity or in some continuity meeting the actual Buffy would be kind of cool to me as long as it's written well. What is I that? Think that um, what is it? What is that? Uh, Doc Savage, uh, Tarzan. What is it? New New Wardian. What is that universe called? Oh, the uh, the Wold Newton universe. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, where they tied all that, and you know, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is like that. Planetary mm-hmm. is like that. It takes all of these things and it brings them together. Planetary, especially. I reviewed an issue of Planetary yeah, yeah, for the this website week. this yeah. weekend, and Planetary is something where they've taken all these influences. Mm-hmm. And they've turned it into a good story or League of Extraordinary Gentlemen a couple of weeks ago on the podcast dealing with, you know, Alan Quartermain. Right. And a supporting character from Dracula and the character of Orlando from some sort of 15th century fairy tales coming together in the year 2009 to stop Harry Potter and the villain from Rosemary's Baby from taking over the world. Yeah. That's a story where the the writer put something special into it. I liked it because I felt like it was well done. It built mm-hmm. up in a way that made sense. Is it a big crossover? Sure. Is it a gimmick in and of itself? Yes. Whereas, you know, another example from the same writer, have you guys read or heard of Lost Girls? Yes, I've got it. Flat out, it's it's yes. done flat out as yeah. Victorian pornography, right. starring Wendy from Peter Pan mm-hmm. and Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz and Alice from Alice in Wonderland. That story is very well done. And that story does what it does and does its crossover and does, you know, the, the, the trope of we're going to do this as Victorian pornography. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does it well and it does it well structured and it has something to say other than isn't it neat to see Alice in Wonderland boinking Dorothy Gale? I think that that's the, that's the point that you have to get past. And that's the point where many of these crossovers fall down is, isn't it neat to see Red Sonia and Spider-Man? Sure. Yeah. Well, and again, but that's, I mean, when you, again, when you look at the, the Wold Newton fan, uh, experience or the universe, or you look at the uh, David, um, uh, what's his name? The St. Elsewhere kid. Um, Tommy Westfall. Tommy Westfall. I always call him David because yeah. that's the that's the dad's name. But yeah, yeah, you look at the Tommy Westfall. It's the same thing about the, the crossovers. You know, yeah. I don't think that it's you know, if if people want to do it, that's great. If you yeah. can do it in a way that makes sense, that's gr- that's even better. Because again, if you're trying to cross over Spider Man and Red Sonia, and I I think I read that first issue, but I forgot what it was about. Mm-hmm. And that you know maybe yeah. that's a, well, a good thing. But I mean, it, it is what it is. And either like it or don't like it, um, I guess people are just like, when I see people, enough of the crossovers or enough of this, or you're yeah. ruining Archie by doing this. It's like, I, I, don't, are I being, don't know they're that. They're being blinded by the stories that they didn't like right, or right, the right. books that weren't very good and blaming it on the mechanism of the crossover mm-hmm. rather than the actual story that's being told. Mm-hmm. Yep. The crossover itself isn't to blame. The bankrupt, you know, creative bankruptcy of the writer, if it's a bad one. Is, well, is yeah, not not being able to tell a creative story is the problem. So, yeah. all right, listeners, where well, we started this conversation, we want you to finish it. In fact, if you want to specifically talk about crossover madness, there is a very good uh, question of the day over at Majorspoilers.com called Showdown in Lowtown Edition, where we ask you, in the age of crossover madness, what is the one that they haven't yet yeah. done 
that you would most desperately want yeah. to see. And did, you, I, did you see my awesome example, Stephen? Yes, I did. The uh, I, I really liked uh, not so much the Jack Burton and the and the Transformers <laughs> thing, but the Buckaroo Bonsai doing the uh, yeah, the, the time Valley. distortion with uh, Back to the Future is really good. And I'm pretty sure I someone posted like in the comment section a really wonderful animated video of maybe it was here or maybe it's somewhere else. Oh yeah, a YouTube video. Uh, Alicia Minx did this uh, of uh, Doctor Who meets Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. And it's really yeah. good if you've seen that. So uh, go check those out, and listeners, be a part of this conversation. Be part of the Major Spoilers experience. Check out our other podcasts. We've got Critical Hit, a Major Spoilers Dungeons & Dragons podcast. We've got yeah. Top 5, uh, this next uh, episode of Top 5. Top thing, top 5 things we're too old for, but we love anyway. We've also yeah. got the uh, Munchkinland podcast. The next one will come out in August. Uh, we've got the Major Spoilers and Minor Spoilers websites. If you like smaller publishers, you definitely want to check out Minor, uh, minor Spoilers. If you just want to converse with a bunch of wacky people uh, and uh, comic book lovers and fans. You want to head over to the Major Spoilers forums. So much stuff going on. Thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for downloading and listening. And please, spread the word to your friends. Why? Because we know that you love comic books, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm Star Raven, it's like a man of iron. I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. Major Spoilers is copyright 2012. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.